Hey, we're going again with my friend, actor, stuntman, bodybuilder, Big Rob Archer. Thanks for coming down, buddy. Well, thanks for having me down. Randy, yeah, dude. Randy, this is, Andrews. This really is, good to see you guys. This is a thrill, man. It's, it's awesome, been a while. Dude. It's been yeah, a man. while. It's been a while since I've spoken about myself. It's been a while since I've seen you both, so it's really, really nice. Awesome. Great way to spend a Sunday. Yeah, man. Cool. 100%. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it's a gorgeous November Sunday. November 6th, and it's like spring. It's all going to be gone soon. Yeah. We've got to get outside and enjoy this while we can. Absolutely. Uh, but, well, we're going to be stuck in here for a couple of hours, but then we'll hours. go outside. Yep. Do you travel? Finally. Find do you a travel? patio. <laughs> hmm? Do you travel, like over winter or anything? Well, my wife and I, we try to go away once a year, somewhere really warm and tropical. Right. We're heading off to St. Lucia in four weeks. Oh, so beautiful. Really nice. nice. After being locked in Toronto for, for two and a half years, it's oh, nice to get away. Big time. Buddy. Yeah. Big I hear that. And now yeah. that finally this arrive can thing's gone, like the the airports aren't going to be as horrible. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was an absolute disaster. I had to fly out to New Mexico last November to audition for Masters of the Universe, and that was just hell getting through the airport with everything. Really? Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Well, why? What well, like what was it like? I know I we heard all the airport shit all over the news, but the lineups were just horrendous, and then all the ex, the the screening, and if you didn't have this filled out right on this application or that filled out right, like you just get lost. Like I had everything done, and then coming back from New Mexico, there wasn't something filled out, and I almost missed my flight. It's just just so much paperwork that was involved. That's so annoying. Yeah. Wow. So how did that work out then? The, bring the, your, the audition. Bring I, your mic in closer if you can. I got through the audition. Like I knew it wasn't going to happen because uh, I got there and I immediately saw some guys that were up in the 6'10", 6'11", you know, range. And I'm Jesus. I'm just under six foot seven. So yeah, you're short. Compared to 6'11", yes. Fuck. You know. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And so the... The audition process is they had uh, this obstacle course set up. It was almost like an American Ninja Warrior course. Oh, and yeah. I had to go through and pretend I was being the character I was auditioning for and just go through this course. And it's just like, I was locked. I When the coordinator had reached out to me, I had told him, listen, I don't look like Krampus right now. I go, my body looks like hell. I go, we've been locked down for two and a half years. I haven't been in the gym. I haven't been training. I don't weigh 290 pounds right now. It's like, oh, well, we want to, we want you to come out anyway. So I forced myself to do it and I was just happy. I got through the whole audition process without injuring myself. Right on. Jeez. Yeah. 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 Wow. But that's what got me back into the gym and got me going again. Right. Okay. I do do notice a difference. hmm? I do notice a difference from the last time we spoke. Like in your body, like my son, well, you, last year during COVID, I dropped down to two hundred and thirty-seven pounds. I remember I got really, really tiny. Yeah, yeah, but you look like you're getting back at it big time. Yeah, I'm, man. I'm at two eighty-five, ninety again, so I've Whew. been going at it hard. Yeah, dude. I, I know I don't have a lot of years left, and it's like I've got to make the best of what I have left. So. Yeah, I, I actually, but... I actually thought you'd come in looking a little smaller, you know, because I did see your Instagram posts and stuff, you know, and you did kind of. Shrink up a little bit. Yeah, 237. I haven't been 237 since I was 17, 18 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, you can go Good back to you, the gym man. now full-fledged, right? There's no yeah. restrictions. Nope. Nope. I'm just going back at it and going hard in the paint, just doing what I have to do. Awesome. And then imagine, like, masks come back and all this other bullshit comes back. You think that'll ever happen? It's- not coming back in my house. I I, I don't yeah, care. There's no fucking way. No, absolutely yeah. not. I think it was a lot of bullshit. It's the biggest hoax ever to happen. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, in, you're, in my you're opinion, talking to two people that are agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want to do the shot. Like I was fully against it. You know, when you're having to sign away your rights to the government and then take an experimental shot and you're signing something, I won't sue if something goes wrong. Yeah. You know there's something wrong. Yeah, for a drug that oh, wasn't yeah. even fucking tested. 100%. The whole, that, the whole it's all thing coming is, out now, man. The yeah, whole thing is Everything's shit coming crazy. out. It was all bad. Yeah. It was all bad. And the people that win is Big Pharma and the politicians. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah. That's my yeah. opinion. I agree. No, we agree. Totally, 100%. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking joke. Yeah. And you don't have to be like okay. a professional scientist or a doctor to fucking see how ridiculous yeah everything just is you just had to pull your head out of your ass a little bit and not yeah. be a sheep yeah yeah so, totally that is exactly and right with the general public from my point of view a lot of well we're in film so we know who owns branches of the news stations and whatnot and sure. they're, yeah. they're they're politically driven so a lot of people they turn on cnn and they because it's on cnn oh it must be true and it's CNN is worse than the National Enquirer. Yeah, they have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but it's amazing how people don't... I mean, most people go to the movies. They don't even read the credits. They don't even understand that there's 300 people no. behind making no. a movie. I mean, they think that actors go on... on uh, uh, go in front of the camera and say lines that they that they wrote. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They just make shit up as they go yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. you meet people. It's like, oh, you're an actor? I, I did some acting once. It's like you probably were an extra or a background somewhere sure. that you didn't do any acting. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. actors are all fucked up in the head. You know what I mean? You <laughs> didn't just do some acting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing though. People don't think of what goes on behind the scenes of anything. Nothing. And including CNN. Yeah. Even yeah, Fox the manipulation. And many the other. Pure yeah. manipulation. 100%. Yeah. 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 I mean, of all the news stories around the world, look at the ones they choose. Mm-hmm. Come on, tell me a good fucking story about a whale or something. But they don't. No. Yeah. Totally, man. Because and nothing's that, happy either. That doesn't make money. That's right. That yeah. doesn't make money. Yeah. If it's not gonna, if fucking... it's not gonna put money in somebody's pocket or an organization's pocket, then it's not worthy of hearing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's economic wild. driven. Absolutely, it's mm-hmm. wild. Speaking of driven, you don't get to the size that you are in any well to in to this stage in any sport without being driven. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your. The beginnings of this. You're 19, 20 years old, and you decide. I you... was no. I was. I was managing a gym. I was. I think I was. I was 19 or 20 when I was managing this gym, and all my friends went off to university and or college or whatever, and I just didn't have the academics for that, and so I was always at the gym. Most of my friends were in there when I was 19, 20 years old. Most of my friends were 30, 40 because they were either training in the gym. I was bouncing at that time. I started bouncing three weeks after my 19th birthday because I didn't have the academics for school. I didn't do well in school, so I went right into the nightlife. So all my friends were older. And my training partner at the time, his wife owned an agency, and she kept pushing me. Oh, I should get into TV. She should get into acting. At that time, it was like, I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a bodybuilder. I just want to be a pro bodybuilder. And that was, was my life. And I met a coach at the age of 20, I was, at that time I was 6'5", I think I was 220 pounds, maybe 225. Very, very lean, GQ body, but I wanted the big crazy muscle. Mm-hmm. And 
I met this coach and we sat down. He told me I had the potential with my frame to put on a lot of weight. And I was like, if I could just be 240 pounds, 245 pounds, I'll be so happy. And he, he sat down and he told me, this isn't easy. He goes, girls, he goes, forget about it. He goes, they're not going to want you. He goes, you're going to be fat. You're going to be sweaty. He goes, all your money is going to go into training. All your money is going to go into food. Are you sure this is what you want to do? I guess yeah, what I want to do is what I want to do. I held down three jobs so that I could support my 8,000 calorie a day diet. Wow. 8,000 calories. 8,000 calories. I was training three hours a day and I hit 245 really quickly. And as soon as I got to 245, I had to be 265. As soon as I got to 265, I had to be 280. And then once I got to 280, I had to be 300. That's crazy, and man. I, I eventually got all the way up to 330 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my God, man. I sounded like an asthmatic Darth Vader everywhere I walked. Really? Huh? Yeah. Really? So tell, what does 8,000 calories look like? What is that? <laughs> like I actually pizzas, found man. my old journal of, I had every single meal and the time I would eat. Like I would know, like everything was so precise. I would know exactly when I was going to go to the bathroom. You know, like every morning would start off with, I'm good. I'm, if I remember in, in between eight and 10 whole eggs with cheese and ham. Are you cooking the eggs? Yeah. So it's not I, like I, a I rocky would, I, thing where you're no, slugging I, I back. No, I would scramble them. Yeah. I'd scramble them, then I'd eat that. And then two hours later, I'd have four <clears> peanut butter and banana with honey sandwiches and half a bag of skim milk. And then two hours later after that, and it's just so on and so forth. I so it's like an every two hour deal? It was every two hours. Through the night? Every and two to, no, I would, I would eat right up until like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then I'd start again at six in the morning. Dang. Just seven days a week. So my yeah. jaw's dropped. Hmm? Like my jaw is dropped. Like it's that's well, it would fun. be because you're 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 <laughs> become really really sore. It's, all you're doing is eating, eating, eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to the bathroom, <laughs> eating, eating, going to the bathroom. Yeah, but you're pumping a lot of iron at that time. I was nonstop training. Like he told me, once you do this once, you never have to do it again. You you build up all this exercise, and that exercise allows you to build a new body underneath so that when you're powerlifting for a year and you're going as heavy as you can for a year, you're building all this muscle under all this fat that you have underneath. So once you do diet down, so when I came down from 330 and I was absolutely shredded at 280, I'd built this new body underneath it. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I have another body under mine. Yeah, yeah. How's that looking for you? <laughs> no, you can't see it. <laughs> no, that's why so I stayed up at 3.30 for years and years and years. And then it made me very typecasted in the film in film industry just yeah. because that size, like well, I everybody, see it, everybody yeah. that is legit actors that are working all the time they're five six or five seven sure. mm -hmm. and so being six six and change and 320 pounds yeah really great for a monster but yeah it's limited it's very very limited and then i eventually i ended up getting married i moved down to to fort lauderdale with my then wife and she at the she was five three and 105 pounds oh, like wow. i was literally triple her size there's a picture and being being in fort lauderdale <clears throat> nobody wears shirt nobody wears clothes down in florida and here i am like all huge she's wearing nothing on the beach you know 
and I'm wearing a shirt. I, I felt like the fat kid in public school again, you know, playing shirts and skins for dodgeballs. <laughs> and now I'm 30 years old and I'm still feeling like that. And it's like, I want to be lean. I want to be lean. I want to have abs. So for the first time in my life, I ended up die. I found a coach in Fort Lauderdale that dieted me down. I booked my photo shoot and paid for it in advance. So I didn't have any excuse not to make it work. Cause when you've already put that money up. Yeah, it's a goal. It's a goal. And yeah, when man. that Friday night rolls around, it's like, Oh, I feel like pizza. Well, it's already, I already paid $700 for the shoot. I don't need this pizza. It, it, it helps you get through those urges. And I ended up dropping, that makes sense. I ended up dropping 57 pounds in nine weeks. I was doing two hours of cardio a day, like nonstop. All I did is train, 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 train and eat. I rocked my first photo shoot. <clears throat> and then I booked another one right after that. Maybe three weeks later, I dropped another 10 pounds and I was really, really diced. I went out to Vegas and shot at 267. Who was trying here? Yeah, it is. The, um, um, <clears throat> so cardio isn't the best thing for bodybuilders. <clears throat> cardio with, with bodybuilding and whatnot and the amount of calories that you're taking in, the amount of food, the amount of stress that you're putting on your heart and obviously steroids that plays a factor in everything. And we will talk about that. I have no shame in talking about that because it, when you're booking a role, it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. Right. And I grew up watching Stallone, uh, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously. Sure. Yeah, sure. And I never once grew up thinking, oh, I wonder if they take testosterone. No, it's like, I want to fucking be like that. I don't care how I get to there as long as I get there. Whatever right. I have to take, I will take to right. get there. So cardio is... You're, you're not going to be big and huge if you're, if you're pounding cardio all the time. Like, I... I the difference in cardio with bodybuilding is just to get your heart rate up. If you have enough muscle mass and you just get your heart rate up a little bit, like you're not going hard in the paint when, when you're doing your cardio. As long as I'm doing like 75, 80 RPMs and I get my heart rate up, I burn my fat because my metabolism is high already. And so my body's already working for me there, just getting it up a little bit. So if I'm going really, really hard, then I'm going to start burning muscle tissue, which is I want, which I want to avoid. Exactly. That's what I meant. Just getting the heart rate up a bit. <clears throat> it helps keep you healthy because you're putting a lot of stress on it constantly, especially at my size. I know my lifespan is going to be a lot less than what the average person's going to be because the amount of stress that I put on my heart. But at the same time, I also got to experience the fame that I wanted. I got every, I accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. And if that takes 15 years off my life, then so be it. I'd rather have a, a, less, a lesser lifespan and accomplished everything that I accomplished everything that I set out to do yeah. than living longer and not quality over quantity. hundred percent. Big time. hundred percent. Interesting. That's, that's how I've lived my no, life. I, I think that's an interesting, I respect your, has anything, has anything changed today in the way that like, do you ever look back and kind of go, Oh, I wish I did this with the diet or I did, or maybe times of, you know, uh, we know more. Is there anything like that? No, no, you no, still rock no, like the same I'm, way I'm, today kind of thing. I don't use uh, the amount of steroids that I used to use when I was younger. Right, right. right. But I'm 47 years old. Obviously, testosterone replacement therapy is is in order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's an absolutely uh, a must. It's a must. Like your test is probably down. Once you hit 40, your test level is going to go down as oh, well. Oh, my, my, my test isn't down. <clears throat> it, it, it's no longer here. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, come on, that beard. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding, but but I've had so many friends because I've been involved with steroids for so long, and I know a, a lot of the ins and outs. I have a lot of uh, male friends that once they started hitting forty and whatnot, they started dealing with depression and not wanting to get out of bed. Right. And I said, go get your testosterone level checked, and then then we'll talk. How do, how does one test testosterone? Go to your doctor and just ask for... It's a know, blood test, is it? The, 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 get your blood work done to see okay. what your levels are at. Okay. Uh, make sure that everything's in order and that you're able, you're healthy enough to, to start on a, a TRT. Which is? Testosterone a... replacement therapy. Okay, copy. Uh, and some doctors still, they see it as taboo. And then some are like, yeah, sign them up. You know, it all depends on who your physician is and, you know, how open-minded they are. Yeah, no, this is an education for me, uh, Rob. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily me personally, but for anyone listening, what, what is it? Like when you do a well, testosterone replacement? All males, we, we produce <clears throat> testosterone growing up. Right. You know, and we, you know, you go through your growth spurts and whatnot. Like there's a, your body produces a certain amount. But as you get older and then also with all the additives and food and the GMOs and whatnot, a lot of those are robbing males of their testosterone and their testosterone production. So TRT is just replacing what your body isn't producing anymore. Okay. And how do you replace that? You inject it. Oh, you inject it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. So it's kind they, of, they can give these creams and whatnot, but the creams are absolutely garbage. You pay like five, six times the amount for like a third of, of what you're going to get out of it. Fascinating. Wow. No, it, it, it's interesting. And, and do you and when you do that, are you replacing over time the steroid? Is that what's kind of happening? You sort of like moving the steroid out or is moving the, the testosterone in? Does that make sense? Well, testosterone is a steroid. We, right. It's a it's a it's it's an androgenic. There's anabolics and there's androgenics. Okay. Uh, testosterone is an androgenic. At the end of the day, it's a hormone and it is classified as a steroid. And what we're doing I see. is because we're not producing that anymore at our age, quality of life, we're, we're injecting it into ourselves now. So you're almost, you're getting like this new birth of life. Like any of my friends that I put on uh, testosterone, like they've told me that they, they were have they, they'd be crying. They would wake up. They wouldn't want to get out of bed. They were dealing with depression. It helps a lot with depression and whatnot. And just like your overall happiness. Wow. Fascinating. <clears throat> and it's a lot of the people that you hear people with like roid rage and whatnot and losing their temper. Those are people that have gone into it with like a bad mental, mental, a bad mental mindset to I begin see. with thinking yeah. I've just done a shot. Like I'm invincible. I'm going to do this. No, that's all in your head. You take a 200 pound asshole. You can make them a 245 pound asshole. That's just how <laughs> there is to it. I love that. Yeah. Well, now that, okay. hey, that makes but sense. If you have a doctor overseeing, you know, your, your blood work as it goes and, you know, checking in, checking the ins and outs of everything, then that's, that's. So the, is there a point where like you could be taking too much or is too little? Is that, is that? Oh, there's <laughs> never too much. Oh, no, okay. I, well, you mentioned the doctor help, helping along well, the, the way. They, it's uh, just making sure your levels are good, that you aren't doing too much, making sure that you're taking what you're supposed to be doing right. and not doing an extra couple shots to gain some extra size. Right. But. That's like tequila. You shouldn't be taking a couple extra shots. Not well. 
Maybe. <laughs> I did a lot of extra shots. Do you think my Krampus was all Maddie? God, no. Oh, God. oh yeah? No. Well, that, yeah, that's incredible. I died uh, it down to 4% body fat for that. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's crazy. When that, when that opportunity was presented to me, I said that I wanted to use my own body for it, that I didn't want CGI, I didn't want fake uh, body parts made for it, that I would come in and use my own body. I was going to ask about that. I was going to ask. So, if we can, if we can, I'm gonna. I, can we put a picture of that up, or is that the copyright? No, no you, you can, can put, put that up. Yeah, you can. Hundred percent, you can. Put it's that out up. there for everyone to watch and see. Okay, copy yeah, that. So well. I'll, I'll put one up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So what I did was because I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I had a bunch of photographer friends down there be, uh, before the film started. I booked a photo shoot ten days before I had to come back up and shoot a Christmas horror story, just so that. <clears throat> I was going to get my money's worth out of that diet down because it's not cheap to diet down. You know, the amount of food, the amount of extra gym time, the amount of uh, extra steroids you have to use, you know, during that time is like, I want to shoot enough content, you know, film wise, like for photos sure. to last me for another eight to 10 months. So I went down, I did my photo shoots. I was in Fort Lauderdale for, I think two weeks. And then, then I did all my photos. I came back up and I was in minus 22 at four percent body fat filming that movie outdoors oh my god yeah man. is it how is how's your energy at that point really low yeah yeah the better I, you look the more miserable and yeah but tired you're carrying you a lot of makeup <sighs> what's that, that heavy, was that heavy the makeup that you were wearing the the horns was really really heavy yeah yeah you I know because they they would screw those on <clears throat> that had like an allen key and a, oh and a shit lock. they would take them off the the whole body was just body paint and they had a lot of tattoos to cover up, but it was all body paint. And then the face was, it wasn't a mask. It was bit by bit, all glue, spearmented on. Spe right. Okay. Okay. So it I wasn't a full. No, I couldn't breathe through the nose. The nose was all fake. So my nose, I could, I had, I could barely open my mouth because the mouth was kind of sealed closed a little bit. So every time I would do like, ah, or hiss, it would rip at the sides. Yeah. Oh, geez. Trying to eat. Like I was. I would grind all my food into a blender and add water. And I was just taking oh a little God. spoon and just like sipping <laughs> liquefied chicken and rice. I, dou that. I doubled Dark Man for two movies and had to wear a balaclava mask. Yeah. And the same thing, the teeth yeah. here, and I had to cut my food up into little tiny squares yeah. and it's just slide I put it in, in a there. food yeah. processor. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. How long, how long were you shooting for? I think, I only had to do five days, but they were really long days. I had yeah. two or three days at 18 hours, and I had a couple days at 22 hours. Wow. It's a hell of a picture, though. I was so happy with how it turned out. The yeah. only thing I was disappointed with was the uh, the distributors. I'm not going to say the distributors because I don't want to get anything of shit. They did no advertisement for it at all. They didn't do anything. Yeah. I don't even think the production got paid for anything. So I thought I was going to get a McFarlane figure out of that. At that Dude, point. yeah. That, that was my goal. I was aiming for a McFarlane figure. I got the <laughs> top three credit billing, which I'd, I'd always wanted to be a top five, get a top five credit billing, and I got a top three. So I was really happy with that. But I did get my McFarlane figure. But it's becoming one of those cult classics. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no doubt that it would it would go there. Yeah, because when I did the, uh, the Toronto After Dark Film Festival, Cineplex wrote the distributor and saying, why isn't this film in our, like, why isn't this showing, you know, like you've never had a movie theater contact the actual distribution to ask why this film isn't being, you know, pushed. Really frustrating. 
Yeah. I ended up winning three awards for that film. Oh, wow. What, what, <coughs> what were these awards? Best Monster Creature, Best Villain, and Best Fight Scene. Oh, nice. And I didn't even know that there was any categories. I just woke up the next morning and I had all these <laughs> congratulation emails. And I was like, you've won. I'm like, I've won what? And then I, I went on. I was like, damn, I didn't even know I was in contention for anything. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Dude, that's awesome, man. It is a hell of a villain. I, I loved I was so happy with it. They gave me so much creative control and I, and I just love that. That's great. I was going to ask you, uh, do you have any tattoos? I have one and <laughs> a lot of magic markers. You have one tattoo and it has a body underneath it. Yes, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. From the top of my head all the way down to my feet. How old were you when you got your first tat? 18. Oh, yeah? I had it picked out by the time I, I was 15 years old when I picked out my first tattoo. Oh, cool. Yeah. And are you still tatting as much as you can or? No, not as much. Is there no, any no. room? Yeah, there's still room. I still have a few more that I want to do, but yeah. I, I've got to start working again. Yeah. I haven't been working much, so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I have two or three other tattoos planned out, but I've got to have that income coming in again yeah, before sure, I start. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Especially to fucking put tattoos on you, man. That's yep. a lot of that's a lot that's of well, I'm, I'm really fortunate that my my tat artist is a friend of mine, so yeah. I don't pay full rate. Like he he gives me a really really good rate cuz I know what I pay and then I see somebody else that's been tatted by him, I'm like, "Would you pay for that?" And then it's like Holy shit, I really do get a good deal. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty Sweet. expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but I'm, a... I'm really, really lucky. I've had a great tat artist that he, it's not just the t getting the tattoo, it's the process of going into the shop and seeing all the different people that are in there because he tats, you know, a lot of the Raptors, the Maple Leafs, uh, cool. a lot of celebrities from all around the world come in to be tatted by him. But when we're in there, it's not just my tattoo. It's meeting all the other people that, you know, are in his circle. Sure. And they're, they're all people from completely different walks of life where we would never, ever talk to each other unless we were in that tattoo studio. So that's all part of the, you know, the tat as well is yeah. that before chatting, oh, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. What did you get done? Yeah, it's an experience. That's cool. You want to give him a shout that's out? Cool. Maybe get some more business. Uh, Scoot Inc. Scoot Inc. In, yeah. in Toronto. Yep. Cool, man. Shout out right to Scoot Inc. Whereabouts yeah. in Toronto? I don't have the address offhand. I know it's it's uh not far from High Park. Not no. Yeah. Scoot Inc. All right. Anybody who wants Scoot to find Inc. it, they'll find it. High Park. Big time. Very easy. He's all he's all over Google. He's everywhere. He's won awards. Like he wins awards everywhere he goes. Wow. Like and he's just the most chill person to tat with. So maybe right. he should right. uh hang your shirts in his window. I well, we're gonna I talk about your shirts shortly. <laughs> So where, where, well, where he, he was, he was one of the first people to, to, to hit me up and say, Hey, I want some of your hate me stuff. And I came down, he bought one of everything. Dude, right on. Yeah. So I was yeah, really I saw you sort of started <coughs> pushing this stuff. I didn't realize it was yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Okay, Wait, so how, let's talk about this now. I was going to talk about it later. Oh, well, I don't know. But let's do that. Hate me. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love it. that you're doing it. I've been on the website ordering some stuff. Yep. Um, Tell us about Hate Me. Uh, and if anybody sees our uh, social media photograph, they'll understand why we're giving the finger to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because <laughs> Hate Me, you know, comes from a lot of different things. And I, it, it does stem from when I first started training and I was being made fun of a lot. And it's not just with me. It's a lot of people that really dive into their passion and they get really focused on what they want to do. People that don't understand it from the outside, they, they knock you, they ridicule you. And I became really accustomed to that with absolutely everything I've done 
in my life, whether it was film, whether it was when I was being sponsored and traveling the world, your DM fills up with, with haters, like people that just want to knock you down. And oh, it used yeah. to really bother me a lot. Like I would read, why does this guy think I'm a piece of shit? And then it, it, it's all in your mind. It's just, if people aren't knocking on you and hating you, then you're not doing things right. And you just get to the point where, well, I couldn't start a company that said, fuck you. So it was more like, hate me, you know, this, this drives me now. And anybody that not just in the bodybuilding world, but <coughs> MMA, boxing, you know, anything where they've just shut all the noise out and they just focused on what they wanted to do and how to get there. You get fueled by the haters, fueled by the people that try to knock you down, fueled by those DMs that come in telling you you're a piece of shit, you're a loser. You know, I, I was bullied all through life. I was bullied all through, you know, being the side, I, I wasn't always this big. I wasn't always jacked. I was a tall kid. I was a shy kid. You know, I got picked on all through high school and that led to a lot of, you know, my training because the bigger I got, less bullshit I had to deal with. Mm. So, and then with the whole hate me thing, I had a coach from 2010 to 2012 that pushed me, you know, so hard. Whereas like I thought I would be done my set and then he'd be two more, Rob, two more. I fucking hate you, Darren. And it just, (laughs) and I would throw the weights down and I'd tell him to fuck off. I'd say, I hate you. I hate you. But anytime I had a photo shoot come up or whatever movie he was helping me get ready for, I was on point. Yeah. But y'all, then they loved him. Yeah. Yep. That, I mean, that's a and part of it, right? My, I, it's not just me that started this. Like when I had the idea, I copyrighted the name. I started copywriting slogans over the years and whatnot. And, uh, another, Another athlete that was under, Darren passed away in 2012, but there was another athlete that was under, under Darren's watch, uh, by the name of Robin Strand. And he's now IFBB pro Robin Strand, who is one of the faces of my, of my company. I have IFBB pro Robin Strand and IFBB pro Melanie Horton. And for those listening, what is IFBB? Well, the International Federation of uh, Pro Bodybuilders. Right. Okay. They're actual pro bodybuilders. And so when I... I spoke to Mel. She loved what it was all about. You know, my first slogan, hate me for the early mornings, hate me for the late nights, hate me for the extra sets, hate me for the extra reps, love me for the results. It's like, I really dig this. And then she read it. She was reading on the site. She really liked what it meant, what it was all about because she understood what it was because she went through her, you know, her chirpers as well growing up. And she was like, you know, fuck you, you know, hate me, you know, because there's all these people. I could have done this. I could have done that. But you didn't. It's exactly correct. But you didn't, and I did. So keep knocking on me. It, you can it, also it was, equate that to your acting and your stunts. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah. But you can equate it to just about anything. Yeah. You know, it's any anybody that has given up everything to pursue what they wanted to do, and they've been able to, you know, drown out those voices or use those those negative voices to push them even further. And so, and then, so it was really cool because this does have a lot to do with Darren and me telling him I hated him, you know, after every workout. And so Robin understood that and he went through his and Robin's 5'11", 300 pounds. He's a monster. I'm 6'6", 290 something. And I'm, I'm calling <laughs> this guy a monster. Like he's, and he, he just understood it. And he was, he was, he was all in right from the beginning too. They both were. So it's really, really cool that I met Robin when he was 18 years old. He's 30 now. So like he's a grown man, he's a pro, but it's cool that that circle 
came all the way back around and now we're doing things together. Very sweet. You know, and it all, it all stems from Darren. Yeah. I've seen pictures of him. Man's of Robin or Darren? Oh, um, Robin. Robin. Yeah. Yeah. He's huge. He's monstrous. And I'm even training with him because even though I learned a lot from Darren and another really close <clears throat> friend of mine, uh, IFBB pro Bob Weatherall, I've learned a lot, but Robin brings this new age way of training in. And it's like, I'm not just training with them. I'm re-educating myself so I'm better for my clientele. So it's a lot of Absolutely. fun, you know, having him, you know, I remember watching him when he was just getting into things and thinking, wow, this kid's genetically gifted. And now, now I'm paying him to kick my ass in the gym too. That's great. Not just in the gym, but for my education. As and well. I think you touched on that a little earlier, Andrew, about uh, whether or not when Rob started to the way you train now, that there's a difference in technology. There's a so, difference so in, much. Like yeah, food. There's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Things yeah. have grown. Yeah. Things have things, just changed. Things have changed so, so much. <clears throat> yeah. And I've been, you know, I lost my. I lost my way of training for a while after when Darren passed away. I just, there was nothing in me to give. Like I, I was training for Darren's approval. Uh, cause you know, I didn't have much of a, a good family life. I didn't have a father figure. And then finally at the, the age of, I think 34 is when I met Darren. That was the first time I ever had somebody put their hand on my shoulder and go, I'm proud of you. Yeah. my boy I'm proud of you so it wasn't that I was training for me I was training for his approval and approval I never had growing up as a kid so at a 34 35 year old man I'm getting that reassurance that I never had as a kid and that's what drove me to train so when he passed away I didn't have that anymore it's like what am I doing here it, it took me a good couple of years to get back in the gym and start wow. developing that that training uh, mentality again mm -hmm. it is wow. something that it people really desire eh? yeah that approval i never ever had it so where, where are you from originally rob i'm from 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 Can uh toronto i was born in alliston ontario okay. i grew up in caledon and caledon east most of my life i was a country kid worked on my friend's farm during high school okay but you mentioned your dad yeah and, and was what what happened there like you was he was somebody that should have never had kids. He was not a good person. Okay. Yeah. So my, my upbringing was really, really shitty. I lived in a shelter for grade, most of grade five. You know, we lived in a big, gorgeous house, but nobody saw what went on uh, behind those doors. It, it was hell. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So I grew up being a very scared, very scared kid my whole life. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up only because there's a lot of people out there that might be, have, have had similar experiences. And that they can see that success can follow that. Yeah. You know, you're... Yeah, I think the one of the, another thing that drove me was I wanted my father to be scared of me. You mm -hmm. know, for, for 16 years, I was fucking terrified of this guy. Terrified. We did everything on eggshells. The police were always over at our house. Something was going on. That was my life. But the bigger I got... You know, the more scared he became, the the batter. So batter's not a word. The no, but I like it. I, we yeah. understand the term. Yeah, uh, the batter I became, and the the worst pe. What's the, I was associated with a lot of nightlife people. Yeah, and once he caught wind of that, like he just stayed right the fuck away. Right. He, by the time I was twenty one, I was three hundred and ten pounds, and. 
my Nana had passed away and I said, I told my uncle I was going to kick the shit out of him at the funeral. And he, was, he had said, this, this, is, this is your Nana's funeral. You, you, you can't do that. I go, watch me. Somebody called him. Uh, he was living out in Calgary and somebody called him and said, you, you better be careful. Rob's, Robbie's adamant. Don't he's come gonna, to the funeral. <laughs> Robbie's adamant. He's going to beat you up at the funeral. He didn't show up for his own mom's funeral. He was that scared of me. Wow. And that was... That was uh, that was a marker for me. Rightly deserved. Yeah. Good. Fuck it. Yeah. And is he wow. still is he still alive? No. Okay. No, he passed away a couple years ago. Copy that. Did you have any more of a relationship with him at all? When uh, I didn't speak to him from the age of eighteen to twenty eight, and then I spoke to him maybe for half a year. Like he got to meet my wife before we got married, and then he said something shitty on the phone once and I, my last words were, I am going to kick the fuck out of you old man. Just watch yourself. And that was the last time I ever spoke to him. That was when I was 28 years old. Okay. Jeez, man. Wow. So you're, you've, and I, I lived, I, I lived for wanting to beat the shit out of him, but knowing that he cowered and was scared to come around me, like my brothers let me know, Hey, you know, the old man broke down. He's, he's really scared of you. Good. He should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And you're good. And you're good with that. You're good. Oh, yeah. 100%. Perfect. I, I love that he died in fear of me. I love it. Okay. Yeah. How about your mom? Don't talk to her either. I'm, I'm the black Whoa. sheep of the family. Yeah. So hmm. with, uh, I was, I was really close with my mother and when I was making a lot of money, I was paying for a lot of things to help her out. But then also that relationship with her and my father, you know, like yelling and screaming and blaming each other when he wasn't there, she needed an outlet to, you ah. know, dump that. So that was me. So no matter what I did was never right. So it just got to the point where it's like, you just care about me because I pay for everything. And it just got to the point where it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I just cut everybody out. Right. So I've so. been kind of doing everything on my own for a long time. Not much of a family. Well, kudos to you, man. Holy fuck. I've had really good friends. Awesome. No. My, my family's been my three best friends and my wife. Nice. Wow, right on. What about your brothers? You said you have brothers. I have a little brother that lives out in BC. I've seen him maybe four times in the past 15 years. Like He's living his life. He's doing really, really well. I have another brother that I didn't speak to since 2011 and we just reconnected about a month ago and that that's been incredible it's oh. been really really amazing good for you oh good yeah good yeah wow so incredibly dysfunctional family very very dysfunctional family but right now i'm really enjoying getting to know my little brother again that's great that's yep. great and what's his name jimmy jimmy Wicked. cool man i'm sure yep. he'll, i'm sure he'll see this what's that i'm sure he'll see this yeah, he better. I'm gonna make him watch this. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got a, a little niece and nephew that I'm really enjoying, you know, being around. They they got this big tatted up crazy uncle that yeah, shows yeah. up in monster costumes for Halloween and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking right, man. So that's, it's been a lot of fun. Like I, I'm disappointed for the 11 years I, I lost with them, but I'm really happy that we're, we're you know, making, making better late than never. Now. Absolutely. 100%. Man. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's what And I getting to talk about a lot of the things that happened in the family, like hearing things that we both went through mm -hmm. and his perspective on it and how he's dealing with things. Cause even, even at his, like he's 
45, he's 44 or 45 now. So, and he does really, really well, but he's still dealing with a lot of stuff that we went through as kids. So it's, it's kind of nice to hear sometimes that, you know, even though I'm all fucked up in the head with everything that went on, he's successful, he's doing things, but he, he tells me about his anxiety and things that freak him out and where it stems from and makes me feel not so bad. Yeah, you're not, not alone. Not, not so alone. Yeah, yeah. man. I yeah, get it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's because a big I was, deal. I was very protective of him, you know, with because I took all the beats. And then once I started getting too big for my old man, you know, he start, my old man started going after him. And I would jump in and I would take his for him because I wasn't going to let him go through what I went through. Same thing at high school. If anybody even went near my brother during high school, like, the whole hall, the hallways would be full because some kids get and run into a locker. Don't fucking touch my brother. There, there were times where Jimmy was at a party and somebody shoved him and I found out about it. That kid was at my bar the next night before I even opened up to apologize to me. Like that's how protective I was of my brother. And then there were freaking out. A big reason on why we didn't speak was because I was hearing him, like he was really, really jealous, you know, because I was always dating like strippers and models and stuff like coming home with girls that he could never come home with. And it was only because I was the big guy because everybody wants to hang out with the big guy. Right. But I didn't know that he was kind of living in my shadow sort of thing. So there was animosity. <clears throat> so he would, he would chirp behind my back mm. and it got back to me and it really, really pissed me off. So it's like, you still have teeth because of me. You know You know how many times you've been at the bar and you've mouthed off and somebody wanted to kick the shit out of you? The bouncer called me and said, hey, your brother's in here. And because of who I was, you got away with it. And now you're saying this about me. And then over just because of that kind of stuff, I didn't talk to him for, for 11 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I hold a grudge. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I, I finally dropped that and now I have my kid brother back. Yeah. yeah. And a niece and a nephew. It's good. Yeah, and yeah. he and I guess he grew up, yeah. matured, and you know yeah. his feelings he, are different had, too. Yeah, he apologized for a lot of things that he said. He explained where he was coming from, like something that we never did. Like in our family, we just get mad and blow up and yell and scream at each other. There was no yeah yeah you know, yeah, working. Yeah. What, what made you feel like this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made you feel like this way. You know. So we got, we got to work all that out. You know, I'm, I'm really, really gracious for that. Yeah, man. That's he really had a good. birthday present that he bought me in 2011, the original Lego at, at walkers. Remember oh the, yeah. Really he bought in 2011 for me, right? When <laughs> we started, like when, when our fighting started and I refused to, I refused to, I just said, fucking take it back. And then my mother tried to bring it over once and I sent my mom home. I said, I told you not to bring this here. So two weeks ago when I was at his house, he goes, I have something for you. No way. And he came down. I go, holy <laughs> fuck, you still have this? He held on to it for 11 years. He goes, I knew at some point in time I was going to get to give this to you. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, there's no way I'm going to take that out of the box now. So, <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. You're not going to build it? <laughs> what a pleasure it would be to build that thing though. I know it would be cool, but I, yeah. I don't know if I have the patience to sit there and do it. Okay. Like I love... I love seeing it in the box, sitting on my on my shelf when I walk into my. It makes me smile every time. Yeah, I'll probably cool. get around to doing it at some point, but right now I'm still enjoying that. My kid brother held on to this since 2000. Fucking a man! At the end of the day, that is actually the most meaningful part of it is yeah. that it's still there. It's in the box. It yeah. is. It's this. Even though he'd moved X amount of times, he'd been through this and that. He held on. To it that came box. with him. 
and having two wow. kids and his wife was like, give it to your son. No, I'm, I'm not going to give it to Colson. I'm this is for Rob. He held on to it. It's a nice story. It's really cool. It is. It is very cool. So I'm, I'm getting to be like a, a big kid again. Cause like we get together, we talk about, you know, the movies, like we don't text and say, Hey, how are you? What are you doing? We'll quote a line from a movie. And then if you know what it is, we quote, another line from that same movie and that's how you tell tell each other we know what this is okay does that make sense yeah i sort of get what you're saying yeah yeah i'll either finish the line or i'll quote another line from that same film then he knows that i i know what film he's talking about okay it'd just be a random line from any film from the 80s oh wow right on so you were a movie guy right from the get-go well because my, my parents weren't interactive at all. It was like, uh, put them in front of the TV. Mm. Like my, I didn't start learning how to skate until I was 14. Like, my, when I say my father did nothing with us, he did less than nothing. So we watched movies. That's all we ever did. Didn't learn how to what? Skate. Like ice skate? Yes. Okay. I started skating. I started playing hockey at 14. What Canadian kid do you know if did not know how to skate till he was 14 years old? I don't think I know how to skate still. <laughs> do you just happen to be talking to two people that really didn't pay attention to hockey, well, but... I wanted to play I hockey. I wanted to play lacrosse. I wanted to play any sport. I wasn't allowed to because he didn't want to give up his time to do anything. Ah, fuck, man. Jesus. <clears throat> That's a drag. Uh, yeah. Well, because we were, we were, all, we're all hearing impaired. You know, we all wear hearing aids. Like, I'm if I don't wear my hearing aids, like, I have a seventy, a, close to seventy percent hearing loss. Now, wow. is that genetic, Rob? Is that in your family? Is that what you're saying? No, it started started with us. So we don't know if it was a pregnancy drug that my mother had taken during this, because nobody on either side of the family experienced hearing losses until my mother gave birth to me, and then my mother's hearing went. I was born with a hearing loss. They didn't discover it until I was in grade one because came home with a report card and everything was like zero and because I just wasn't hearing anything. Whoa. Wow. But my father didn't like that. We were categorized uh, defective humans to society. That's how he saw us. According to your dad. That's what he he called us. What brought your father's anger on or whatever that is? Do you know? Yeah, he had issues. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, he's the one with That's putting it lightly. Yeah. That is putting it lightly. So do you know his history? Pardon? Do you know his history yep. as to why it might have? I think I think it was uh, my my nana would pit him and his sister against each other. Well, Jim did this better than than Lynn, and then pit them against each other constantly. And so there was a lot of fighting. Uh, Is his sister like that? I haven't spoken to her. In oh 10 wow! Years. Okay. Okay. I know she has a temper as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I knew one of my cousins went through a lot of the the abuse that I went through as well. That they they both had high high anger issues. They both lashed out. So, but like actually sitting down and talking about our feelings isn't something that the Archer family did. Like a lot of psychological uh, psychiatrists and uh, psych sessions, but never among the family. Not not with me, anyways. Okay. So okay. I've never sat down with. Uh, my cousin and, and, and spoke about what she went through. I just hear bits and pieces through the grapevine. Right. Right. Hmm. And it just got to a point where everybody talked shit about me for a long time. Cause when I moved down to Florida, my wife at the time, she was an adult star and everybody talked about, I was doing the wrong thing. And it's like, all I saw is I, I married this incredibly hot chick. We're moving to Florida <laughs> and that's, that's all I cared. 
And the family saw it as just this woman taking me away from the family and moving me down away from my family. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And everybody just kept talking shit about me. And then all of a sudden I became this great boy that everybody believed in once I started popping up on TV and film Happens. over and yeah. over again. And then you got people that hadn't spoken to me in five years. Hey, can you loan me some money? Can I, you know, I believed in you. I did this for you. Yeah. You did that for me eight years ago. You, you did that hoping that it would lead to me giving you some of my money. So that, that was, my, and that's why I distanced myself from everything. I just got sick of the phoniness. Unfortunately, this isn't, this is kind of a common story among, it's an incredibly among common stars story. and it other, really, really you know? is. Yeah. 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 Wow. And I just, I just couldn't deal with the fake bullshit that I was just like, fuck you all. Uh, I'll do what I want. You want to see me go turn on your TV. Fucking right, man. Yeah. Fucking right. Well, kudos to you. Uh, really? Like Thank you've you. obviously uh, worked hard. You've worked fucking hard. So with no acting experience, I'm deaf and I had a lisp. I wouldn't let anybody <laughs> know about it. And I, nobody picked up on it until 2015 that I would, that I had a hearing loss. They all just thought I was aloof and wasn't paying attention. I didn't want anybody to know. I think mainly because when I grew up and my parents first realized that I needed hearing aids, my mom was always pushing me onto the incredible Hulk. Robbie, come and watch The Incredible Hulk. He wears hearing aids. Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Anytime I heard The Incredible Hulk or Lou Ferrigno, hearing aids was involved. And it was never just Lou Ferrigno was The Incredible Hulk. It was Lou Ferrigno wears hearing aids as The Incredible Hulk. And I didn't want to be Rob Archer, the deaf actor, Rob Archer with the hearing loss. I wanted to get everything that I I got myself because of just me, not because I had a disability. On my own merit, not because I had a disability or somebody felt sorry for me. So I didn't let anybody know, but I was also hindering me at the same time because if I'm not thinking about my speech, my words, they, they're rounded. They're, they're not crisp. I have to think about it. So a lot of times, like my one word will turn into three words. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, breaking them up. They're just getting, okay. becoming rounded. So sometimes, mm. you know, I, I don't even realize I'm lisping unless I'm actually thinking about it. So even when I go and I do uh, a self tape with Pedro, it's like, I'm not wearing my hearing aids for this. I hate how my voice sounds and hearing aids. I was like, make sure my speech is crisp, you know? Oh, okay. You know, it's probably why I did so well as the bio man and Bruce, because they were kind of like big dummy characters and it had a bit of a lisp and it made me sound dumb. Well, that was just me. <laughs> that, <laughs> I wasn't hilarious. trying. I just did it. So, so that combined with defiance and lost girl, speaking of which, what, uh, how, how many seasons, how much, uh, Defiance, yeah. I, I did three seasons on Defiance and then I was, uh, a reoccurring character for five seasons on Lost Girl. Okay. I ended up, they did a, a fan, they did a poll for the fan favorite reoccurring character. Like when the seat, when Lost Girl was, you know, coming to an end, they wanted to do a poll from all the fans to find out who the fan favorite reoccurring character was. And there was some really great reoccurring characters. I'm going to take a wild guess that it wasn't you, unfortunately. It was me. <laughs> it was me. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Dude, right on. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was good. Well, because I, I didn't really win much growing up as a kid because I didn't get to participate in much. So right. everything that I accumulated and I won, you know, when I got into my 30s, it wasn't in that moment. It was like, 
getting back something that I didn't get to have as a kid, whether it was, you know, having Darren be my coach or winning this award for a Christmas horror story or the fan favorite reoccurring character on Lost Girl, you know, those things didn't just play into that moment. It was getting a piece of my history that I didn't get to have as a child. Hmm. Okay. So it meant that much to me. That's great. That much more to me. You I know, can see I that. I could have gone through the rest of my life not being able to experience, you know, having a win like that or anything like that. And that finally at the age of 34, 35, I get to experience that thing that I should have experienced when I was nine or 10 or 11. So I read into it a different huh. way. Yeah, that's cool. You know, so when I started doing comic cons and fan expos, it, it just blew my mind. Somebody's going to pay money for my picture and my signature. You know, it's just like meeting grown adults that are literally shaking, going to shake my hand. It's like, I'm just big Rob, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. It's, like, it's fucking man. crazy. That's, yeah. that's yeah. fucking wild. It is beyond wild. I was wild. shaking when you hugged me. Yeah, I almost broke today. you in half. Yeah, dude. yeah, I've seen you in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my dick was shaking. No, I'm just that's kidding. That's only because I was so good Yeah, so speaking of Comic-Cons and stuff, you had that Mr. Hyde character for a while. What, yeah, what was that, that from? Was, it was when I went down to shoot that... Uh, I said I did photo shoots in Fort Lauderdale before I did a Christmas horror story. Mm -hmm. The photographer, the one photographer that I shot with was the first photographer that ever shot me for my uh, very first photo shoot in 2007. When a Christmas horror story came up, I, I called Alex and I said, listen, I'm doing this movie. I'm going to come down and do some photos. Do you want to shoot me? He's like, absolutely. So I went down. He was working for this company called ProSups, which was a, a sports nutrition company in, in the U.S., and he's rocking off some photos. He sends it. I didn't even know he was doing this. He sends it off to the CEO of ProSupt. He goes, check this guy out. He's 6'6", 285. He's an actor from this show called Defiance and listed off a couple other things. I got to see the text and it said, sign him right now. And so that was my first uh, sports nutrition uh, endorsement. And like, I was all stoked. I was really happy to not have to pay for my protein or yeah, pre-workout. Yeah, yeah. And then I was with the company for about eight months and they, they sent me an email saying, Hey, we're looking to maybe do a character for the pre-workout. They had a pre-workout called Mr. Hyde and they wanted to do a character for like the bodybuilding shows and all the, uh, the, the expos. And they sent this cool. Well, we're thinking, you know, maybe a white lab coat, a cane, a pocket watch for the Mr. Hyde character. And I, I looked at it. I was like, I'll, I'll do a character. I go, but it's not going to be this. I go, I'm going to give you a shopping list. You get what's on that shopping list and I'll bring you a Mr. Hyde. And so it became black leather pants, big, big black boots, the gas mask, yeah. the goggles. I just created this <clears throat> persona. It was badass. Yeah, it was. It went worldwide. Like it put the company on the map. Like I was in eight to 10 fitness magazines every month for three years. I would come into these bodybuilding shows and there would be a 20 by 60 foot banner of me lifted up to the ceiling. I would have lines bigger than a lot of the pro bodybuilders to have a photo with Mr. Hyde <laughs> because I created this because because of my hearing and I'm traveling all over the world and there's all these different accents. I'm wearing this gas mask. So I can barely breathe in it. Like I would on a weekend, I would sweat 10 to 12 pounds away wearing what I was wearing for that. You know, I would do two, three hour, I'd do a three hour segment on Saturday. I'd do another three hour on, on the Sunday. And then, then I'm just totally wiped. 
That's crazy. Wow. It was just it was That's awesome though. There was yeah. five thousand GMC <clears throat> stores and Gold's gyms that had a, a six foot two cutout of the Mister Hyde with shelving in it, and people would pose with it, and it was just so cool. Like I, I did an appearance in Kuwait. I got off the. I arrived at the expo and there's billboards with Mr. Hyde on it. There's a bus wrapped in Mr. Hyde. I had an eight person military team <laughs> around me anywhere I walked in Kuwait. It was just mind blowing. It was really, really cool. You know, the kid, the kid that barely made it through high school, you know, yeah, man. never stepped on a pro, bo- never stepped on a, a bodybuilding uh, stage. I never competed, but yet I had this six figure endorsement with this company. I created something from nothing. Totally wild, man. Interesting shit. Really, really cool. And there was a spot in between 2015 and 2016. I was on 55 flights that year in a a 12-month span, 55 flights between Comic-Cons, fan expos, filming, TV shows. Every weekend I was flying somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Now, with COVID being over and the ability to travel again, do you see this coming back, this kind of an endorsement Well, I just... uh, I ended up screwing up my my endorsement with ProSups. I kind of got really screwed up with a uh, perk addiction and alcohol. Like the the amount oh, wow. of the amount of injuries that you know. Well, you you know how how often stuntmen get injured. Absolutely, man. And I tore my Achilles in two thousand and fourteen. Nine weeks before I was filming uh, Pixels with Adam Sandler, I had already signed the contract. I signed on as Sergeant Duff. Like I had a good name for the credit. And then I tore my Achilles playing baseball. There was no cool factor. There was no home run. There was no like, he won the game. It was the first batter in the first inning. Hits a ground ball to me. I lean forward to pick it up and it snaps. Oh my God. And you could hear it on the bench. Like my, I was so wound. I was, my muscles were so tight and wound up that everybody heard it pop. I drove myself to the to the hospital, and they told me what they were going to do. But you, was, yeah, sorry, go ahead, keep going. That they were going to do surgery. I was like, no, you're not doing surgery on this. And then they were telling me the recovery process. I, was, I need to be able to walk on set in nine weeks. Well, that's not going to happen. I told the doctor, I go, don't tell me what I can and can't fucking do. I'm going to walk on that set. I ended up having a friend get me in with this uh, doctor by the name of Dr. Gallia, who's world-renowned for plasma injections where they where they extract blood from you and then they put it in the test tube and then they put it in a spinner and you get like the thick thick platelets and then they inject it back into the the the, the torn the torn muscle and so i did that and then i was doing three hours of hyperbaric <clears throat> chamber sessions a day i do an hour and a half in the morning an hour and a half at night i did that right be- and just just right up until I was able to start filming pixels and I I walked on I hobbled onto that set and I begged them not to send me home and Adam was really really great he's like no we're not sending you home we're we're so stoked that you want to be here so badly and so anytime <laughs> cool. you see me in a scene I'm not wearing an air cast but every time they yelled cut I was in it, back of my air cast with my leg up they were re- th- that production was really accommodating to me very like, nice wow. they should have sent me home and I tore it a second time in the film. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Pixels, but there, there's a scene, Josh Gad, who plays Olaf from Frozen, like the, the, the frizzy hair glasses guy. There's a scene where he's got to get off the back of the military truck and he, he's, he can't get off, right? And I, 
I grab them and I turn around and I take two steps out of frame. That second step, I tore my Achilles again. Oh my God. I took two more steps and, and put them down and I just stood there. And you know, big Ray Bola. Yeah, I do. Okay. Ray looked, <laughs> Ray was watching my face and he came over and he goes, you tore it again, didn't you? Fuck off, Ray. He goes, I'm going to go tell the director, fuck you. Don't say anything. And I, and I, I stood around for another 45 minutes and I'm just my, I'm just like Ray's watching me because I wasn't going to tell anybody. I wanted to finish my day. Oh, and I, I figured good. if they, I'll be done in the film if, if they find out that I tore it again. And then Ray was standing beside me and I just, I don't know if I passed out. I just went back and, and he caught me. And then yeah, I was, your body goes into shock, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I back at Trillium <laughs> Hospital again. And Holy then, shit. So is it fixed now? Like, did, did, did you ever have surgery on it or I anything? I never had surgery on it. I let it heal. It was, I had it in the cast and then I had the cast come off right before Pixels. And then I uh, did the plasma injection, the hyperbaric chamber sessions. And then I was wearing an air cast. Like I had both my biceps ripped off. It's fun, isn't it? The, the uh, that distal biceps fracture. Yeah, so when you do the go. flex, it's like way up here. Oh yeah, right? yes, uh, yeah, up here. Yeah. And when I did the second <laughs> one, I brought, I came home and I showed my daughter, and I thought I was going to get some sympathy, and she said, "Oh, well, at least you match." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't uh, take my rehab properly. I just kept working and working, like stuff was coming up, and it, you know what it's like. You're hot today, and you're yeah, you're relevant yeah, yeah. tomorrow. Just keep taking the work, keep taking the work, and then. So now I walk with a limp, but I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give up work. I just kept working and working and so working. So the second time it happened, did you continue on pixels? Went to the hospital. You know, I told them that I tore my Achilles. They, they just gave ice. I went back to Dr. Gallia. He did another plasma injection. I signed a waiver and Christopher Columbus was really cool. Like he rewrote my character so that I could finish the rest of the film sitting down. I lost my Sergeant Duff credit. They had to give it to somebody else because Sergeant Duff had to run. And so for the rest of the film, I was always sitting down, but at least I got oh, wow. an additional four days. So and nice four days, the way I was looking at it is like, yeah, I lost that, that credit title, but I still got four days of uh, film pay and I got to finish, got to finish the movie. Not as Sergeant Duff, but I still got to finish. And you got to work. You got to work with some pretty awesome names in that yep. fucking movie too. Man. Oh, it's really, really good. Yeah, really, it was Everyone, a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. You know, Adam, Adam Sandler and Kevin Hart are easily the two best guys I've ever worked with in film. Oh, wow. Really high, like because we see everybody, you know, on like being interviewed and whatnot, and they're all being prepped by their publicist on what to say and what not to say. You never know what you're going to get when you step on the set because Randy, you know, just as well as I do, we've worked with some people that are complete letdowns, right? We're, you're very, very excited to meet. And then you're like, wow, what a bag what of shit that person is. 100%. You know what I mean? <laughs> so then going on to pixels with Adam Sandler, one, it's like, I hope Adam's cool because I've been watching this guy since I was 18 and I don't want to not watch his films anymore because yeah, you know, I, know I really, really enjoy him. You just and is he going to send me home because of my Achilles? Are they going to, you know, do this? And it's just like they didn't send me home. They were they were really, really receptive of me being here. Adam would stop by my trailer on his way in. Big guy, how's your ankle? And yeah, he's sweet. just so funny. And it's good to know. Nice to know. Yeah, really, it, it really, really is because you go in, you're you're scared. You know, you're going in thinking they're going to send me home, and you know. 
I've been out of work for two months now trying to heal this. I've spent an astronomical amount of money, you know, with the, the plasma injections and the hyperbaric chamber. There's no insurance for that. That's right out of your pocket. And it's just like, that would just be a done deal if I don't get to, you know, recoup that money. And getting to finish the role and, you know, getting to work with somebody who's so much fun, it just, it made it really incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Sweet, man. Sweet. That's great. Have you got anything on the hook? I wish I did. I'm okay. right now. I'm just calling around, begging for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As everyone is, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. It's been a weird time. You COVID's, know, COVID. COVID's ending. That the protocols are somewhat, you know, ending, and shows are coming back. It's going to be a busy year next year. I, I really, really hope so. I need it. Yeah. I need it badly. What happened when I called you? For mayor of Kingstown, you, you, to do a stairfall, what blew happened? my back out. I was right. I was. Uh, I touched based on uh, my drug addiction, which ended up going, you know, 2000, I, with, with the Achilles tear, you know, I had a lot of Percocets and Percocets <clears throat> make all the pain go away. Yeah. Oh, that's just a happy fucking drug. And anybody that knows me knows I smoke pot. Like I'm, I'm an avid pot smoker. Yeah. Well, you and Andrew are going to get along really well. Yeah. I smoked a lot of pot. But the Percocets, oh, God damn. You know, everything was just happy and nice. And, <laughs> you know, and then Percocets with uh, vodka, even better. And then with uh, with Pro Stops and the demand for me being, you need to be here, you need to be there, you know. And then these shows, I'm, I'm hanging out with pro bodybuilders that were astronomically huge and here I am at, you know, 290, 305 pounds and I feel really tiny. And it's like that mental demand. I need to be bigger. I need to be bigger. Right. And it's like you want to come off at it's some point. competition thing. Just being massive. Just being massive. And still in shape, being able to hold your abs. There's a lot to demand constantly. And it's like there is no downtime. It's like I'm filming. I'm doing stunts. I'm acting. I'm doing comic cons. I've got to go do this. I started to hate training. You know, it was like, we need you for this. It wasn't, Rob needs a break now. Rob needs some time to, you know, collect his shit upstairs. It was just like, go, go, go. Like, you spend your life wanting to accomplish these big things. And then once you get there and it's happening, you forget to enjoy it. You forget to, uh, you know, relish. Look what I've done. You know, I should be happy with this. No, it, in my mind, it was like, I got to here. I need more. I need this. I need that. And then not having that, that upbringing of how to deal with pressure and how to deal with my own mind. Uh, I, I went, I went the drug route, hmm. which ended up, you know, I, I got really, uh, I got really high on myself. I, I, I was really, really spoiled. I was, I was demanding. I felt very entitled to a lot of things and I ended up fucking up my sponsorship. I, something was written in an email that I wasn't supposed to see and I went off the handle on it and I was supposed to make a debut in Spain. The, the company had spent somewhere in between 70 and a hundred thousand dollars in advertisement for, for me to arrive in Spain and I didn't get on the plane. I just said, fuck you deal with it. And that was the end of my contract. And at the time I just laughed. So I don't care. I'm going up to the cottage. And, but when, you know, two years later when all that was gone, you know, you're sitting there, wow, I really fucked up. It's like when the constant emails aren't coming in and the constant demand for having you do an appearance isn't there anymore is when I really started realizing how much I fucked up. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then 
from 2017 to uh, the very beginning of 2021. It wasn't just perks and alcohol. It was Coke, MDMA, GHBs. If there was a drug, I was using it. You know, because I didn't know how to deal with everything that I lost. I just started feeling sorry for myself. Well, I'm Rob fucking Archer. Why isn't this happening? And I'm not realizing I'm causing all my own pain. I'm causing all these things to end, you know, because of my shitty attitude. Hmm. And the more I was losing and not addressing it, so, you know, yeah. being sober, yeah, yeah. the more drugs I did. And then cocaine, it could be Monday. All of a sudden it, it, it's fucking Friday. <laughs> And you're not 290 pounds anymore. You're, you're 239 pounds. But I, I did have a loving wife. She stood by me through the entire thing. She, she watched me hit rock bottom. She visited me in rehab every day. I'm still here. And now you're kind of back at it. I'm back at it. I I never thought that I was going to be big Rob again. Did you jump off all that stuff on your own or? Yeah. On my own. Yeah. Yeah. Living, living in a room for three months after you've had your own personal assistant, you had your own trailer, you've flown the world first class, and now you're in a room, you've lost 60 pounds, and your roommate wipes shit on the wall, that'll sober you up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you don't like shit on the wall? No. No. no I'm one of those weird people. It's like, in the toilet, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, you're so fucked up, man. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I poop in the toilet. <laughs> roommate weirdo. like to wipe it on the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like and that it, guy. You're not... You're not just in a room with, you know, other drug addicts. You're, you're, you're locked in a ward with, you know, schizophrenia, you know, like extreme cases of schizophrenia, you know, people with fentanyl habits, like, fuck all there's, there's not like a ward for like, you know, suicide survivors, you know, cokeheads, you know, you know, there, there's no category. You're all mixed in together. You know, it really makes you think, holy fuck, my problems really aren't so bad. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot that, of people go into something like that and come out with that feeling. They're always like, man, mine aren't even close to, you know, so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so. Yeah, so. yeah a, crazy. perspective. Yeah. It, it, was, it was really crazy, you know, because even though I was only 230 my, 239, 237 pounds in there, to everybody in there, I'm still a monster. Sure. And then somebody ended up Googling me and then they, they brought up my IMDB and then they're like, how are you in here? Like you do this, you do that. And it's just like, it doesn't matter what I do. Everybody has problems. We all stem from something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Big was, time. And you know, that kind of brought me down to earth to it changed my, my way of thinking. Cause I thought I was a shit. I thought I was better than everybody and being in there. Just let me know. I'm human. I, I'm just like everybody else. I have problems just like everybody else. So I'm no better than anybody else. Wow. So it's, it's teaching me to reprogram myself, uh, have empathy for people. Mm-hmm. It's wicked. Yeah. Wow, man. And now are you feeling good? It's a change. It's a change like living a certain way in your head and in your mind for so long and then being stripped back down and, I have to look at it like I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I have a support team like my wife and, and my best friends that stood very, very close, you know, that helped me get moved while I was in the psych ward. I had to give up my, my condo. They moved me while I was away. Like hmm. Pedro, Jay, Tony, and Su Ling, they, they did everything. Like a lot of people, they don't have that. You know, a lot of people have to go through that on their own. Yeah. And I had those four people that wouldn't give up on me, my agent, 
the day I went in, I booked two roles, two massive roles while I was high as shit, like out of my mind. And then my agent's calling me, you know, you just booked this, you just booked that. And my, my wife is on the phone. Don't call, don't tell him this. Don't tell him that he's not coming out for a while. So the, oh, the day wow. I got booked, you know, the, the very beginning of my, my three month stay, I booked two massive roles. Whoa. I booked a reoccurring character on C and then, uh, I booked, uh, a large principal role on, uh, the retirement plan that was shooting in the Cayman Island for two months, but that two just, months, that just shows you it's there and you still, you already have that talent. You're going to do it again anyway. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping it's in so. you, man. No, yeah. no, it's of course it is. But when you're in that moment, you <clears throat> just you don't see beyond those though those walls. Sure, like you're, for you're, sure. You're just in there. And it's just like you just start thinking about everything you've lost, and you start reflecting on how you lost it. And that for the first time in my life, I wasn't blaming other people or pointing the finger. I, I took it all on myself. It's like no, I did this to me, and it was you know being truthful with myself and saying no, I did this. And when I got out. Nobody told me to do this. I had to do a process for myself. And I started reaching out to people who, who I had wronged, you know, during my addiction, who I lashed out to, hmm. uh, who I said things to or blamed that they weren't to blame. It was for me. And I owned my wrongs. And one of those first people was uh, the owner of ProSups, hmm. who is now the owner of Abe. And I'm now sponsored by Abe. Sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. Applied Nutrition. Hey, man. Yeah. That's great. So, and last year I, I remember coming out and my wife is trying to build my hopes up. I'm like all skinny and shit, you know, being accustomed to wearing a three X and an XL is fitting loose on me. I'm never going to be big Rob again. I'm never going to be big Rob. I go, I want to be sponsored again. And now, now I'm endorsed by three companies and I've got the hate me thing going. And See, it does come back. Brother. It's, come, it's, it's coming back. Absolutely, man. But I, I keep looking for the, the stars I'm, I, I keep yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm never satisfied. And I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is appreciate the process. Yeah. You know, I, uh, with hate me, I didn't want to like, I've been wanting to do it for, 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 for ages. And I just got to a point, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. I've got these slogans. I have these ideas. I've copywritten them. I've got to do something. And it's like, I don't want to take a loan out from the bank because I haven't been filming COVID ate up most of my savings. So which which it did to a lot of people. Yeah, lots. And anybody that knows me knows I love my Maserati. Yeah. I fucking love that car. <laughs> and I just I had to if I'm gonna make this work, I've gotta give something else up. And I stole my Maserati so that I could fund the hate me, you know, apparel and coaching. So business. tell people where can they get your apparel? You go to hate me.ca, you just go to the uh, the athletes page or the shop it's everything's there I ship worldwide uh, it took a lot longer to get off the ground than I wanted to because I was very specific on the fabrics that I used mm -hmm. because yeah, man. there's a lot of guys that are putting shirts out which is great but I wanted I didn't want people wearing my brand because they thought the logo was cool it has a middle finger on it I want people to put my shirt on because they love the fabric they love the material that it's made out of I hear that and, and it, the way it fits and the way it fits because I have a lot of friends that have, are putting shirts out for 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 their training company or their their products and there's no thought put into the the fabric and in bodybuilding you know everybody works 
so hard to get their chest, to get their traps out, to show their biceps. And then you put the shirt on and it, it's like cardboard. It covers everything up. It doesn't show all your hard work. I wanted to have something that showed off the hard work. I wanted to have a fabric that no matter what the logo was, when people put it on, that's their shirt. Right. They, and so it took a while for my manufacturer to track down the, the exact material that I wanted. And I had, he had to ship things to me. Yes, I like this. No, I don't want that. So that went back and forth for a bit. And then I found this fabric that I was really happy with. And that I did the run on that. I think I did 500 shirts for the first run and about 150 hoodies. The hoodies are, I didn't want to just put a hoodie out either. I wanted a, a tough, durable, you know, material that is going to keep you warm. That's going to, I had a, a hoodie made with like an additional pocket in one of the pockets specifically for your cell phone. Come a little phone. closer on your mic if you can. Uh, specifically Sorry. for your cell phone. No, because it makes it's sense. not just for, for bodybuilding. It's for anybody, whether you're doing CrossFit or you're running out in the backyard, anything athletic, that phone is going to sit in your pocket. That's a great a lot idea. Of, a lot of hoodies. It's the most annoying thing about your... when you're working out at the gym. So the worst thing is having your phone and you're trying to listen to music, but you're trying to lift the weight 100%, and your phone slips 100%. out of your pocket and shit. Yeah. Little things That's like nice. that, that that people don't pay attention to. It's like were the angles that I was paying attention to because I want every demographic to be able to wear. It's not just for bodybuilders. It's, it's for anybody that's been, you know, picked on or made fun of and they stuck to their guns with their passions. Cool, man. Matt, right on. So I paid attention to a lot of the little particulars that a lot of people, they just think about putting their name out and, you know, thinking it's cool to just see that on somebody. Well, you got to give that person a reason to want to wear your brand. And so yeah. once things started selling and people that I didn't know, cause obviously like my circle of friends were all for it. But when people I didn't know that were purchasing my shirts and then they come up to me in the gym, it's like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I bought this. He goes, your material is amazing. Like, <laughs> and I'd never spoken to them before. And they start telling me my pitch point that I normally tell people when I start talking about, you know, the, the shirts and, or the, the hoodies and they're, I have a consumer coming up and saying, this is what I love. You know, this is, this is so great. When I put this on, it shows everything off. I've never had a shirt that does this. And so that cool. was, that was the angle I was going. So that's, I was very, very particular. It took a, nice. a lot a longer to, to get it out because I was so picky on how I did things. Cause I'm not going to sink this amount of money just to get it out there because it was easier to do it this way. Well, no, okay, sure. It's going to take an extra three or four weeks because we've got to import this material, you know, Sure. and I want this material and this material only. So yeah. Do you feel you're, you're going to expand the line at all? Do you think I got to recoup my money first? Yeah. Like cool. my, my whole thing is when that money comes back, I, I want to run some other colors and then I want to get into tank tops, but I have, to, I have to remove my emotions and, be uh be strategic on what i do like i know what i want to do down the line sense. i want to get into track pants i want to get yeah into yeah shorts tops. and stuff yeah yeah that's sick but that money's got to come in for me to put it back out there of course some speedos <coughs> well just uh, for you uh, yeah everybody listening the uh, hate me.ca hate me.ca yeah that's it, cool it wouldn't have happened if uh if i didn't have uh melanie horton and, and robin strand they've been absolutely incredible ambassadors on constantly posting and, and wearing my stuff and my uh my web and media quinn metcalf who signed on with me i paid him to design my site 
and he's a lot younger. He's very savvy with uh, the world of social media and Facebook and Facebook jail and everything that gets you put into Facebook jail, <laughs> which I'm constantly in. Yeah, you know, no it doesn't matter what I post. I'm somehow my, my account's getting shut down and he knows all the ways around that. He knows all the relevant hashtags and nice. the oh, algorithm cool. and everything. And when, when he built my website, I was so impressed with what he did. I said, I want you to stay with me. He goes, he goes, I was planning to, he goes, I, I love what you're doing. I love what this is all about. And I said, but here's my thing. I don't want to pay you a monthly fee. I go, very easy just to pay you 500 bucks a month. I go, I'm going to give you a percentage of my company because that gives you initiative. You know, if you have extra time on a Thursday and 100%. you're getting like 2.5% or 3% of every, everything that I do, that gives you initiative to sit on your computer for an extra couple hours and sell 50 more shirts or something. And so I made him, uh, I, I have so much belief in him. I made him VP of my company. That's right. I gave him a share of it and he's just rocking away. We haven't even come to what the pay is going to be he's just like i don't want anything until we start making money and then we'll we'll discuss it so Sir. i've got really great people around me that is, is helping with with this it's not just me at all it's just i had the idea yeah but it's you know the other people around me like quinn robin melanie that you know are you know just as involved and investing their own personal time and in, into to my dream that's and incredible. making it a part of theirs that's why. So it's been a an incredible group effort so far. Fabulous. Yeah. Sick man. And you know, good for you. I guess I am. You know, with everything that I've lost, it's it's allowing me to appreciate this rebuild. And it's just I'm try, I'm still learning how to slow myself down and appreciate the process. Because you know what it's like to to be here, and you want to be here so quickly that we lose perspective on this part of getting there. It's like I've never got to enjoy that part I've always just seen there so now I'm I'm learning how to calm my mind my anxiety and enjoy the process of getting to here I know I will get to here that's great yeah that, man that's yeah awesome. well you've done it before I've done it before many times yeah and you yeah. know you just know and now like after last year being in rehab and everything it's like hitting absolute rock bar absolute rock bottom and I have a pathway and it's not totally cut out. I'm making my own path, but I'm getting there. And to have these people around me that believe in me, because I didn't believe in me at all for the past few years. I had no belief in me. I thought I was useless. I was just a fucking junkie drug addict. I, I couldn't stop. Couldn't stop. I, I had no self-worth. I didn't want to be around anymore. Crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. My morning would start with like a triple vodka and a monster rail on the stove. Like that. Sounds and like then all of a sudden, cr four, crazy four, morning. Four, four years are gone. Jeez. Four years gone. Everything from 2017 to 2021 was an absolute blur. How I got through Man from Toronto, I have no idea. I was at the peak of my addiction when I filmed that. Wow. And that's one of the roles that I'm getting the most compliments from. Like, I've gotten reached. You gotta I, get I, back on those drugs. Fuck, man. I was an absolute fucking disaster for four years. Yeah, Fuck. I, uh, it cost me my uh, my endorsement with ProSups. It cost me my Comic-Con agent. It cost me numerous TV shows and film because I couldn't stay sober and show up for set. And it cost you time. Yeah. Just time yeah. and love and all the other stuff. Love. Well, I don't know. Friends and people and whatever. It might cost. Did it cost you any of that shit? Maybe I'm making crap up. 
Well, it's good crap you're making up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think I, after it all, I, I finally start to understand what love is. I, I've never really had it. And then okay. with my wife, hmm. you know, sticking through the worst of the worst. Yeah, man. It's the first time I, I think I've really felt what love is. And I'm, I'm learning how to Interesting. give okay. that back. Cause I, I never had that growing up as a kid. Hmm. I was never good at relationships. I, yeah. But now, now I'm at a point where it's like, you know, I'm still here. This woman should have left running and screaming four years ago, but she didn't. She stayed here. She stood by me. And now I'm getting to understand, you know, now I'm 47 years old and I'm, I'm finally understanding what, what love really is. Wicked. How long have you been with your wife? Seven years. Right on, man. Yeah. Good for you. Seven terrifying years for her. Yeah. So, <laughs> not, not all seven. Not all seven years were terrifying, right? It's a hell of a ride. <laughs> hell of a ride. <laughs> I told her to stay away from me. I, I, when, when we first started dating, I said to her, she still has a screen capture of the text saying, I really like you. You're a really great woman. Stay the fuck away from me. I go, I'm not the kind of guy you settle down with. I'm not. I go, I'm a lot of fun, but I'm a fucking disaster at the same time. I go, I'm not relationship material. And it was almost like mission accepted. Yeah, she took on the challenge, brother. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow, cool, man. Yeah. She's still here. Yeah, right. She, she's amazing. And your puppy's still here. Yeah, my puppy, my puppy's turning 13 in I a couple love weeks. Pictures of you with the puppy. My my little dinky McMuffin. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a miniature uh, Yorkie. Yeah, yeah. Tiny teacup Yorkie I got in uh <clears throat> Early 2010, I was in Beverly Hills coming home and I had, I looked up this one breeder and their entire family has been in breeding uh, Yorkies, like three generations. And they just had this system and he was already pee pad trained and weaned from his parents at nine weeks old. He was like, like this hamster, like yeah. he was one pound, <laughs> one pound, seven ounces when I first got him. And he's been the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, like, he's a cutie. I'd get through set. I'd be filming and all I'd want to do is get home and see my little dinky. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The pictures of you guys, obviously the irony is hilarious. Yeah. It yeah. Is. It's awesome. It's a much smaller dog when yeah. Robbie's holding it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's got such a personality, but like people like they would laugh because I'd be 290, 295, 300 pounds. I've got this five pound teacup Yorkie that fits in the palm of my hand, but he's the boss. He's the king of the castle. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I love that because it shows confidence. Uh, too many guys got those big killer dogs on the ends of chains and they, they think that, you know, it must, yeah. it, it's a psychological thing. I must be a man to handle this dog. Oh, I yeah. like, I like this little guy. I, I love him. Cause you know what? Six in the morning when everybody else is outside walking their dog, Mine's in the bathroom going on a pee pad and I'm still in bed. <laughs> Works out really good. But when you take him out too, I mean, you must get eyeballs. Like it's kind of Well, funny. I know because he's getting old and uh, his MCL and ACLs have kind of worn away because that's kind you of a You guys are kind of thing. alike. <laughs> <laughs> he's all injured. I have like a little front backpack that he sits in. So I oh, do yeah. the walking. So he just sits there with his little tongue out. And everybody <laughs> giggles and whatnot as they're walking by. They just see this guy with tattoos on his fucking head and his neck and everything but this like precious little dog with his tongue out yeah for sure man yeah oh that's awesome anytime yeah. i have with him is, is good time yeah man yeah totally 
Yeah, we always had small dogs growing up. Yeah. You know. yeah I, we had a Yorkie mixed with a Chihuahua, yeah. little whiskey. But we had to put him down six weeks ago for he's old. That's always the hardest yeah. goodbye. It uh, was incredible. How hard. much did you cry? Oh, days. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Couldn't speak of it for it weeks. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy time. Yeah. It yeah. was devastating. It's never. It's, it's, it's like I, with my upbringing and my my family, my, my father, most like, like, I didn't have, I wasn't good with people. I always had my dog. I would get a beat down or a whooping. I'd go to my room and I'd have my dog. You know, yeah. your, your pet, your animal is the only thing that never betrayed you, never, never fucked you over. And so Su Ling, when I started dating her, she'd never had pets growing up. So she couldn't understand the relationship I had, right. had with my dog. And there was, there was, there was a jealousy factor. She, she wanted that affection for herself that I would give the dog. She couldn't understand why I didn't have that for people. And then she met one of my brothers. She was out in BC and she, she got to talk to my youngest brother who didn't take very much abuse, but she started to see how fucked up my family really was when she spoke to his wife and found out things that he would talk about or do. Right. You know, and then she really started to see why I don't trust people and why I was very limited on affection, why I didn't like being told I was loved. Like I would get mad at her if she told me she loved me. You know, I, I, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'd push her away. Like, yeah, totally. why, why are you hugging me? What, what, what do you want? How are you going to fuck me over? You know, like I had a huge guard up, you know? So once she hmm. started meeting my little brother and then especially my, my, my brother, Jimmy recently a month ago and she got to hear stories that I had told her and she got to hear the same stories from him, sure. from his perspective. As she came home and she cried, she's like, I don't know how you fucking got through that. And she goes, I know you don't embellish things, but it is really something else to hear the pain that you went through spoken through your brother's mouth like hearing the exact story same story but through another another set of eyes you know getting to hear him from both my brothers right on and so that i think that's when she kind of let back a little bit you know because i told her i go i don't feel about people the way i do with animals i don't connect with people the way i do with animals and then she started it's not just her like she's never going to get that affection that she wants from me that she would get from the dog if that makes sense that, yeah, that, yeah, I, get, yeah, that yeah. I give to the dog. Yeah. Like now she understands why I am like that because she really understands it's not me being a prick. She's, I just don't have that in me. You got any advice oh. for anybody that's been through the similar trials that wants to don't keep forward? it to yourself. Talk, you know, there's, there's no shame in talking to a counselor or a psychologist or like, it all depends on how far you, how far away you are in your mind, whether you need a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I've seen both, you know, so there's no shame. Talk. Don't don't keep it bottled up because that's what I did, and that's what led to a lot of my drug addiction. I imagine that when you're when you have like a, a sort of a disdain for other human beings, and you 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 familiarize yourself better with your dog to some degree, that even going to a therapist is another human being. That you must that well, must be hard. Yeah, you can't just pick somebody. You gotta you gotta be able to trust them. And I I just don't trust people. Yeah, I didn't yeah. trust people for a long time. Yeah. You know, because the people that were supposed to protect me and love me were the ones that fucked me hardest, mm -hmm. you know? So now I'm supposed to come into this stranger 
you know, and, and tell them my problems and whatnot. It's just like, yeah, it's you may not weird. pick the first person right off the bat. You might have to go and see two or three different people before you find somebody that you're, you're comfortable talking to. That makes sense. You know, but there's absolutely no shame. Don't my, my biggest thing is don't keep it to yourself, you know, keeping it to yourself, just keeping it bottled up, you know, led to a crazy drug addiction for, for myself. Cause I just didn't know how to cope with my, what was going through my head. Good advice. Now, when you, when you do talk about things, what, what is happening that is allowing you to sort of ease yourself, if that makes sense? Like, is it like, is it that uh, you discover that other people are going through it as well? Or like when you keep no, it to yourself, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to keep replaying things in my head because I, I got to a point where I knew what I went through in the past was holding me back from going forward in life you know, it was hindering me, you know, like I, I deal with anxiety huge. I have horrible anxiety. My confidence is really, really poor. Cause I grew up being told I was a piece of shit my whole life. Like there wasn't a day that I went through life where my old man didn't remind me that I was fat, that I was l- ugly, that I was pimple faced, that I had acne. I was lazy. He would stand me up in front of his company and tell them, tell me how stupid I was, you know, cause I've been working to working for him since I was 11 years old. And I would work in his warehouse during the summer times. And so he, he would take all his frustration out on me in front of his employees, you know, and I have to sit there, you know, feeling like a complete idiot. You know, everybody else is like in their late twenties and thirties and he's reaming. I remember his employees would yell at him, Jim, leave him alone, leave him alone. Jim, no, he didn't do that. There's just, there's, there's no poor me in it. I'm not, it is what it is, but don't, don't keep it to yourself. I kept everything to myself for way too long. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, for young pe- young people, man, they don't they don't know to go to anybody. They, I mean, when you're when you're in your twenties too, like you're still living with mom and dad, or you're living with somebody. You don't. It, it often takes them to assist you there. Yep. It's hard for a young guy just to assist himself. You know, when he's still having assistance from mom, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. But know. you're 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 it's, you're an inspiration, Rob. You really are. Um, and, uh, I think that anybody listening to this, that's having issues, uh, could take that advice. I do. I do speak to a lot of younger bodybuilders coming up and I'm very, very transparent. You know, I'll tell them about my addiction. I'll tell them that I've been locked in psych. I've been in rehab and I'll tell them, I don't tell you this because I want you to feel sorry for me. I tell you this because I don't want you to end up like me. A hundred percent. Your honesty is incredibly refreshing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, it's, it's your, your example is incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Big time. Well, cause people just look, look at me and they think I've got the world by the balls. And right now I'm, I'm struggling a hundred percent. I'm struggling. Like I don't have the fucking answers. I'm, I'm grinding away. Will my business work out? Who knows, but I'm going to do everything that I can to make it work. Right. You know, uh, I will be very, very transparent because I don't, I don't want somebody that's going through a lot of pressure to, you know, attempt to take their life because they wouldn't, they wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. I'd rather they talk to me or talk to somebody and I'll, I'll tell you all my shit just so that might make you feel a little bit better about yourself or knowing that what's going through your head isn't weird or off. Like my life isn't perfect. It's been anything but perfect. It's been a struggle. Has there been highlights? hundred percent. There's been highlights. But there's been a lot of bad times and there's been a lot of drugs involved too. 
And if I can prevent somebody mm. from going down the destructive path that I went through or that I went down, then fuck yeah, I'm in. I'll, I'll tell you all my, I'll tell you all my dark shit. Is it common that body, that young, that bodybuilders, they get into it because of this similar kind of thing? Everybody has their own reason. Sure. Everybody has their own reason. I, I got picked on a lot and it's just, that was, that was my, my way of dealing yeah. with, with being bullied and being picked on. The bigger I got, you know, the less people fucked with me until I got into the clubs. And then, you know, it wouldn't just be one person. It would be a few people, but then you'd have a whole bouncing staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I imagine at some point you became competition for some other big motherfucker. Yeah, or it becomes a gunfighter syndrome. That's what I used to call it. Yeah. I mean, they, they come into town and they want to take on the big guy. Usually how it is. Yeah. But it's usually a little guy that's got seven friends. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. It's always some small cocky fucker chirping off so that if you do i do turn around and hit them there's seven more guys behind them yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> that, that's, that's a whole nother you know the, the bouncing experience pedro and i could do that one for yeah, you yeah. He, he's seen it so pedro's one of my favorite people we both yeah he's the awesome. same is he still doing it at all is he still uh, no i think he's done i know that he was he was doing some club stuff up until until the COVID thing hit and yeah. then, okay. then he stepped away. But he, he's been a lifer for that as well, you know, and he's just, yeah, yeah. he's so calm and cool. I remember there was a <laughs> night that this, this one guy pulled a knife on him and Pedro just looked at him and he goes, you better drop that knife before I fuck you with it. And dude, he actually <laughs> did. <laughs> and he fucking booked. Wow. But it's just like, man, I wish I had that calm collectiveness to think of something cool <laughs> like that to say. <laughs> that's that's awesome. you better drop that knife before i fuck you with it yeah yeah that's a good line yeah i might actually use that in that, a movie. That, that's a movie line <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is good that's so good yeah but all the stuff that comes out of bouncing and the nightlife stuff it's just it's wow i mean yeah. you've met interesting people in the movie business you must have met some interesting people in the club business yeah i got to uh i think one of the coolest people i got to meet I, I was working with Pedro and I, I had to take care of Gene Simmons and Shannon Tweed for the night. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that, that was, and he, he was, he was a cool motherfucker. Gene Simmons is one cool cat. Really? Yeah. Cause I think you hear, you hear all kinds of things, but like, what, why, what, what's, what's, why, why is he cool? I'm not talking. I just, <laughs> I guess I, I guarded him properly cause I, I wouldn't let anybody come near him. And I was very, like, I would shove people you know, because he was my focus. Sure. And I would let him know what's going on. I'd let him, like I would, I would be telling him every step of the way what's going on. And he, he pulled me aside and he thanked me for being so patient and being so guarded of him. He just thanked me over and over again. He was, I'm sure he's had off days wow. where he has pissed people off, but oh, I'm sure he was incredible with me. It oh, was a great. really great experience. Amazing. Uh, when I was living in Florida, I had, I used to bodyguard the grandson of, Pearson International Airport. His name was Richard Pearson, and he he would stay in the Versace Mansion downtown. Bring up your mic. And, Bring up your mic. He would stay in the Versace Mansion in South Beach. That's like a seven thousand dollar a night room, and he would stay there for weeks at a time. And Jesus. you know they have armed guards outside of the Versace Mansion in, in South Beach, so nobody gets to see what's on the inside. And I've been in the Versace Mansion numerous times. It's it's mind blowing. Yeah. So just like, you know, getting those, those odd clients here and there Crazy. is just, yeah, it's mind blowing. So, 
Interesting, to, like man. To, to even fathom spending $7,000 to stay in a hotel room for a night. For a night. Yeah. That's there better be a whole lot of crazy. things come with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, his, his date, you know, was, was quite the catch. You know, I don't know if she was paid hourly or what the deal <laughs> was, but yeah, she was a hottie. <laughs> wow, man. Right on. But Jeez. yeah, you, you do get to meet some really cool people. You know, I, especially when I was, uh, when I was in Fort Lauderdale, I was running a club. I got to meet, uh, Dennis Rodman was always in Butterbean, cool. Butterbean. Uh, remember the boxer, Eric, Eric. Yeah. Eric, whatever his name is, him, uh, Michael Irving, you know, wow, cool. like celebrity, celebrity athlete after celebrity athlete. And these guys come in, they, they drop 50 grand, a hundred grand in a night. Like the stuff that you hear about in the papers and you read about in the headlines. Like I've been there for that. It's like mind blowing how much money, you know, a horny guy can spend in one night. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I got like 40, crazy. 40, 50 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I've dropped $300 <laughs> once. It'd buy you water in a club like yeah. that. Yeah. Man. Wild. That's crazy. You must've met, you must've met some bad dudes too, man. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. The nightlife, the nightlife brings everything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And those yeah. are the ones you become friends with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you kind of need to, in a way. A, you don't need to, but it, it, you know, it helps. It you helps. Out. Yeah, it helps you. <laughs> it helps you out with a lot of things. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, uh, I used to. When I was in Fort Lauderdale, I used to hang out with one of the Gotti family members. I'd hang out. I'd watch football at his place on Sundays, and it didn't even really set in to me really hmm. who this guy really was. You know what I mean? I guess at the end of the day, he's just a football fan and a yeah normal guy having a beer. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't until, you know, like it was my friends. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm over at so-and-so's house. You know who the fuck that is? Are you serious? You're at his house? Yeah, I'm watching football at his place. It, it's just nightlife shit. It didn't really set into me until my friends started emphasizing on who I was hanging out with. So, and then hmm. uh, there was, there was uh, another club called Moderanos that was in, in Fort Lauderdale. And you know who uh, Whitey Bulger is. James sure, Whitey. Okay. Course. Well, his, his, his right-hand man was a Martirano. That was his nephew that ran that club. So there, there was that, that connection. It's just like being around all these elements, it was just kind of common in the nightlife. You know, I was accustomed to it in Toronto with certain people that I hung out with clients that I had that would come to my club that I would take care of. You take care of them, you're taken care of wherever. Right on. You know. Right. So I, I remember I had uh, some Russian mob guys that when I did Bulletproof Monk, they would always stay at the Grand Hotel downtown Toronto and they became friends with me. And then they would always call me up for, to go out for dinner. Let's do this. And then they would come and visit me at one of my clubs. And any of the club owners would know who they are because they were real players in the nightlife. And I remember I, I came to this the one club. I was working at this club called Boa. That was an after hours club downtown. The owners were standing outside and they came up to me. It's like, hey, so-and-so are here. Oh, cool. How the fuck do you know them? Oh, those are my boys. Those are your boys? I'm like, yeah. I, they're inside. <laughs> they got through the metal detector. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd go in. That boss never said shit to me ever again because he knew I was connected. Like, I wasn't connected. Right. But, but yeah. I was their boy. Right. So whenever I couldn't do a shift or I wanted a shift, I just got whatever I wanted because... I was associated with them. 
Jesus. So th- those are the little perks with certain people from the element of the nightlife that that was always fun. Yeah, I can imagine. That's wild. Yeah, that's awesome. That's wild yeah. living. Yeah, you feel your shit don't stick so much when <laughs> you have certain people coming in and, and, you know, dropping your name. That's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. So that was fun times when you're younger and you're you're just trying to grind through life and then somebody comes through and it, it almost puts like a little metal on you. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's wicked. That's cool, man. Fucking me. But you're going back to the film business? I, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I got to... Teague brought me out for, for a gig during the summer. That was, that kind of saved my butt during yeah, the summer. Yeah, trying time. to get him down here, that bugger, but he's busy. Yeah, he's so busy and it's good for him. Like, yeah, he, totally. he, he's incredible. Yeah. You know, it, I had so much fun, you know, because I've done stuff for Teague over the years on, on certain things and he's not the type of person that really gives a compliment. You know, he, he'll, he'll pat, if he just pats you on the shoulder, then you know that you did a good job. When the man from Toronto came out, there, there was a day that I was having a rough time. You know, I was just sitting there with my, my hands in my head. Like I had tears coming down. I was having one of those days where life was just beating me up and I didn't know what I was going to fucking do. It's like, I'm not getting hired for anything. I can't figure out why I'm not getting hired. And then my phone goes bing and I pick it up as the nicest compliment I think I've ever gotten in my entire career. And it came from the guy that doesn't give compliments Huh. Yeah, Teague, he de- dissected my performance and he complimented on certain things and it just, my eyes filled up with tears again. I'm a big fucking wow. crybaby <laughs> and, and I, I'm reading it and then he's like, I'm going to get you out onto one of my shows soon. That's and then nice. three days later, he had me booked on his gig in the summertime. Very sweet. Yeah. Cool. A lot of people don't come through on their words and you know, you, you read things like, okay, cool, you know, that'll be all right. And then three, four days later, these are the dates. Are you available? Fucking right. I am cool. man. So cool. Yeah. But it, it's hard. The one thing I, I, I am finding hard, like it, it's hard to get to this point and be taken back and feel good that you're going to get back to there again, especially when you're used to working, working constantly. Mm. And I've had to look at like these all dried up, not because of my, my talent or my skill level, but, these all ended because of my drug addiction and these ended because I ended them, not because of anybody else. Yeah. And then at the, at the tail end of the drug addiction time, COVID hit. So, and COVID fucked a lot of people. Yeah. So now it's just coming back, Rob. So yeah. Patience brother. And I just, I just hope, you know, I know there are coordinators and people that I've really pissed off because I was mouthy or I was hard to work with. And it's just like, I hope I get that chance to prove myself again or, do something that they get to see to say, Hey, I want to give big Robbie a chance again. Yeah. You know, because you know, when you get to 47, you can't, you're not able to say, well, I've got another 30 years to figure shit out. No time. Time's knocking really, really hard right now. And it's like, I want to make the best that I can of these next five to eight years. You know, I want to hit the ground until I, I can't physically hit the ground again. Cool, man. Yeah. So right now I'm just in the gym training like crazy. I'm, I'm doing my, my acting lessons with my coach here and there and just, you know, staying sober and not having a hard time doing it. Like I love it. I'll never go back to, to where I was again. Uh, I'm too, too focused on trying to get, get to where I want to go. I want to get back to this place in my career. I want to get to a place of happiness. You know, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. But worth it. it is. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Yeah, and you. you I didn't. Again, I didn't come know. this far just to come this far. I, I didn't make it out of the exactly. out of rehab and all that shit just uh, to go backwards. 100%. So, absolutely, it's good, man. It's good. You need more tats. So, you gonna? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you should be signing this table. You got to sign the table. Uh, it's a thing we've been doing with everybody. Uh, you don't have to, but we really want you to. No, you got to do it, man. <laughs> Pick a spot sitting somewhere in front of you, Rob, up past your bottle there or anywhere. If you feel like, as you can see, you can draw a picture. Yeah, you can do anything you want. Yeah, man. Love it. Awesome. Sweet, man. Thank you for doing that. That's wicked. No, I was really happy to be here. Yeah, no, we uh, we love that you came in. I was stoked about you being here, man. Big time. And, and now, I, I do want to mention, though, yeah. um, you came out and did, uh, it might be a controversial thing, but whatever, gay zombie. Uh, when, when, I, when, I was, when I was, my directorial <laughs> debut was years ago. I don't even know how long ago that yeah, was now. But I had just come up with some stupid ass short film skit kind of a thing and um blair my 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 cousin and fellow stunt guy uh wanted to uh produce it he just thought it was fucking hilarious yeah and uh we never got to release it so everyone who's watching yet it's not released maybe one day we'll manage to get some audio on it and whatever <laughs> fucked up the audio but you got you came out it was it was incredible to have you out man you were like uh you were like you were literally like honey the bees there's just everyone wanted to to be around you and 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 you 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 cre- you developed um um a zombie character yeah but it but it made the film like that much crazier Bigger. yeah just better it was yeah. just so much better i had so much fun with it the makeup artist that you had uh work on me did a, an incredible job and that was before i was anybody on any other tv series so I have those, the photos that we did, you know, I had them printed up into eight by tens and I would sign those off for kids while <laughs> I, when I was irrelevant and I didn't have a TV series I was known for. It was the real Rob zombie archer, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was awesome. I had so many people that came out on that, uh, film, uh, made their, their profile pictures and shit all, yeah. all over Facebook yeah, and everything. I still, still have a bunch of, uh, your family, friends and whatnot that came and did that, that follow me on Facebook. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I'm like, sure some of them are freaks too, you know? <laughs> a fan's a fan. Well, they're all going to yeah. see this. So. No, it's so wicked, man. Yeah. It's so it was, wicked. It was a lot of fun. Your, your old man called me up. It was like, he didn't even have to explain what was going on. He just wanted me to, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I didn't even ask questions. Yeah, I'll do it. Dude, oh, yeah. no, it was it was awesome. Made my day, man. Huge. It Made was my everything. Yeah, that was it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. No, I'd like I'd like to see you got to get some of that together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we we edited it and everything and when we discovered that there was like basically just no audio. We went that whole day doing uh, doing <laughs> yeah. audio all day with no sound check. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just so stupid. Um yeah, so we have to like re-record fucking everything and we missed out like there's another big thing every zombie's supposed to be saying brains brains and and just like nobody's doing it 
and we and we kind of went, oh for fuck's sakes, this is like one of the major things in the fucking whole thing. Anyway, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out because we have it. Well, we have it all. Now you can put it, dick cock, gay zombie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick <laughs> cock. Yeah, cock. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so dumb. Okay. No, but it was fun. It was your debut. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I didn't know it was gay zombie. I just thought it was a zombie film. I, I <laughs> didn't know. Well, Rob, you were the gay zombie. No, no. I, I didn't have a glory hole scene. Where was the glory hole scene? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we, we, we made a lot of fuck-ups. Yeah, okay? it's in the rewrite. We're good, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it again. It's hilarious. You'll have that scene. It'd be fun footage, though. <laughs> We'll get Pedro. You guys can both do that scene. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. Rob, thanks for coming down, man. Thank you very much for having me to your home and your studio. Your your man cave's been turned into this great studio. Yeah, man. You know, all your achievements up on the wall, which is a lot. It's really cool to be here. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, love it. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Big All Rob right. Archer, ladies and gentlemen, hateme.ca. Yep. Buy some shit. You got it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. Cut it, D.